I'm Rachel Hollis, and I've built a multi-million dollar media company with a high school diploma and the free information I found on the internet. In the 15 years that I've been building and scaling my company, I have become deeply passionate about helping other entrepreneurs to do the same. So each week, I'll be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews with the same intention. These are the tools to change your life and your business. This is the Rise Podcast. When this podcast airs, it will be the day that your first book is out in the world. How does it feel? Like, tell me all the things. It feels amazing. Good. The last, I felt like three months ago, I was like waking up in the middle of the night, like, does it suck? You know, and then, and then had to like work through some like, what am I afraid of? And then finally, like got to a place of like, you know what, I'm just so excited for it to be out. And I'm so excited for people to read it. And I'm excited to hear what hits, what doesn't, what, like, I'm just excited. So it's like, I'm ready. Yeah. And by the way, it's so normal as a creator, especially, I mean, as an author, no matter how many books you write, you still are like, you vacillate between, I think this is pretty good. And oh my gosh, this is total garbage. What the hell was I thinking? (laughs) And it's been, it, that's the wild thing. It's such a solo process for so long. Right. Like it's you and a couple of editors and like Sammy and my mom, you know what I mean? You know, and then, (laughs) And then it's just like you with these words for so long. And now it's going to be a very public experience. Yes. Right. So that was like shocking, but also like by like by the last week of like waiting for it to be out, I was finally like, let's just go, let's just do yes. it. Yeah. And I'm ready. And I'm like so happy it's in the world. And I just, I just feel so proud of it. And so what's it about? So the book is about, um, okay, so you'll know this because we've been friends for so long. I've wanted to write a book for, I'm just one of those people, like at 15, I was like, I want to write a book. And we were at happy hour, like probably five years ago, (laughs) you were looking at me, you're like, well, why, why don't you write one? Yeah. And I was like, I don't, and, and I think realizing, I'm not sure what I had to say. I'm not sure what I wanted to say. (laughs) I just wanted to write a book, which is not the best place to write from. And then I went through the season of um, coming out, of leaving everything I sort of knew to pursue something different, of, of facing so many fears I had. And what made me finally want to write that story was realizing actually how universal it was. So going through this experience of, I don't want to be true to who I am because that will disrupt too many people around me. And for and, people who don't know your story, I know you've been on the podcast yeah. several times, but for people who don't know you, what what was disruptive about who you were? Yeah, so I was a, um, I grew up in the church and then I was a pastor at a mega church. And then I discovered more about my own sexuality through meeting my now wife, who was then my best friend. <laughs> and you saw right through that. Yeah. And yeah. um and in that, right, coming out, that was not a place where it was okay to be gay. And not only that specific place, but the culture I grew up in, like the church culture, the church scene. And when you work at a church, it's not just your job, right? It's your friends, it's your family, it's 
your networks. Like I remember thinking, if I don't work here, can I work at, I can't work at the Christian college I used to work at. And if I can't work there, I can't work at the other Christian college I used to go to, like my whole network and world. And then deeper than that, my identity was really tied to believing certain things and, and going to church on Sunday and knowing that God had a plan and it was a specific plan and, and I was going to step outside of that. And so like layers on layers of disrupting probably every structure in my life up to that point. Um, and so that's part of what I wanted to write because none of that was easy. Right. And, and I have this life now that I'm grateful for and could never have imagined life could be this good. And, and my marriage and this family we're creating. Um, but it was so hard. Mm -hmm. It was so hard to get there. And yeah. And it, it felt, it felt singular. Like it felt like I'm a mega church pastor who came out and, and disrupted my whole life. And that is very specific. And at the same time, I like got messages. Like when we came out, publicly from people who had gotten divorced from um, people who had gotten pregnant before they were married, people who grew up in the church and started realizing this like common narrative. And I was like, wow, that is so, that means so much to me what they're saying from like a different story. And, and that's when I started to realize like, Oh my gosh, there's, there's more universal truths happening here. Like more people should be allowed to, to face this, this reality and, and be true to, what they feel like they're, they need. Absolutely. Um, what I was just thinking of as you were speaking about that is like how crazy it is. I always think when, when I speak to people, or maybe you speak to people who didn't grow up in the church the way that we did, they can't even understand what we're saying. They're like, wait, yeah. you, you told people that you were gay and you were ostracized on every level. And had all, like, they can't, it's like, if you didn't sort of grow up as part of this culture, it doesn't make sense that these things happen. Or even what you're saying, like, oh, you got pregnant before you were married, or you did these things when the foundation of the Christian faith is love. It totally, that that was Jesus. That was his whole jam was like, love Mm -hmm. your neighbor as yourself. This is our call to arms. This is what we do. This is what we're here in terms of inclusion and standing beside each other and all of these things. And it's so wild people who are not inside of it because they don't understand this sort of dogma of like, we loved you. You are our favorite person. You are a leader. We <laughs> thought the world of you on Tuesday. And by yeah. Wednesday, you told us about some, you told us something about yourself that changed the way that we viewed every single part of you. Yeah. And, and it, you know, obviously that's something that happens inside of faith, like the religious world. Mm -hmm. But I also feel like that's something that has happened that that's begun to happen. Is it because of social media or because of politics or whatever, that we've sort of started this thing where you find out one thing about a person and you're done. Like, not, not only do I hate you, but I'll never be in community with you again. Like this one piece of you now has defined all of you. Yeah. We've lost a lot of room for like evolution and change that is so fundamental to being human. And so that's one of the reasons like the first chapter in the book is just about all the times I messed up and I've gotten it wrong because I'm writing this book about like be true to who you are and evolve and and these things I did. But that's, that's after 
messing up so many times and that's before messing up again. And so like, just to be clear, like that's the evolutionary road that we get to go on. And there have been people who invited me into that space in a way that allowed me to, to find out more of even who I am. And, and I'm so passionate about inviting people on that same journey because while critique is so important and there are a lot of systems and structures that need to be critiqued, I think it has arrived at, at the cost of, of inviting people into an evolutionary process. Absolutely. What do you think it looks like for listeners who maybe haven't thought about this before, but what do you think it looks like to be in community with people who are not like you? You know, we talk about this a lot at rise conference. Mm -hmm. I think it's a core value that both of us hold, but this idea of being and God, we need it now more than ever in our world of like, how do you be in community in an earnest, humble, honest way with people who have totally different, not just perspectives, but like they believe totally differently than you. And I'm always fascinated by this idea that people feel threatened by someone else's beliefs. Because if your yeah. beliefs in your faith and your politics and yourself are strong and true, then someone else believing differently should not even be able to touch that. It shouldn't affect you at all. So do you have any advice for how to be in community with people who have opposing viewpoints? Yeah. Well, I feel like sometimes we think that that is external work, but that's all internal work. Mm. So so I, I don't know, this person, you know, rubs me this way or like this person brings out this to me. And you think that that's like an external thing. And that's um, more often than not, that's an internal thing, right? So like you said, if you have, if your identity feels fragile, if you feel like I think I'm good, but I don't know if I am, someone hitting on that exact pain point is, is going to shatter it. Right. So that's, that's not going to be something that you can interact in and you're going to have to, you're going to have to meet them back with the same energy because now you're, you're raging against that idea because they hit that pain point. Right. Like with, with being a person of faith, right. Who, who is also um, married to a woman, I had to get comfortable with that because even though I like love Sammy and, and fell of all these things. I had these years and years and years of like that internalized message that that was wrong. And so I had to undo that to get completely comfortable with myself. And before I was, I would go off every time I was invited to, right? And now, and we, we talked about this the other weekend, I'm not in a place of defending myself. So I'll get messages like, how do you, how do you defend yourself as a Christian or someone who's gay? And I just say, oh, I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Right. Which because is the most like disarming, like shut someone down thing. Uh, Byron Katie has this quote. I feel like I've quoted it 10,000 times on this podcast. Mm -hmm. She says, defense is the first act of war. So mm -hmm. the second that you begin to defend yourself or your actions or who you are to someone else, you are inviting them to get into conflict with you. You're inviting them to disagree. And there's so like, it's the most bold, badass thing you can do. Just be like, oh no, I don't defend myself. I don't. Yeah. yeah. And then someone's like, I think you're wrong. And you're like, okay. Okay. Great. Yeah. Good. I think I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's, um, you know, you said earlier, like when you were talking about 
Christianity and faith, like Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, right? Which is, it's, it's such a powerful thing to me because it implies that you love yourself. Because I think fundamentally, we do treat people the way we treat ourselves. Whoa. And so, Beans, hold on. That is so good. Let's unpack that. Now I want to think of how I treat. That's so good. Like the thing that makes us most mad when we, when I find myself being super judgy, I know I am feeling some type of way about myself. Mm, that's when I find myself pointing out every flaw of like, why does Sammy do this? Why is this? My mom's annoying. That person on the street is, I don't like their outfit. Like, and I'm like, okay, what, what's going on? Right. Internally. You are going to give out what you feel. Yeah. So if you feel the need at every turn to defend as hard as you can, your stance, your belief, all these things, is that coming because you're not sure it's true for you or right? Because you want to make it true for someone else. And that, that will look very different from a position standpoint. I also feel from like an action plan for someone who hears that and really like sits in it and knows that they need to make change in that area it feels like the thing that you want most for yourself in life would be then to practice giving that to other people so hard, right? So mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to think of an example of, um, may, uh, you said outfit. So like, let's say that you are super critical about yourself and the way that you look and you're constantly, and you know, you've got that negative self-talk playing in the back of your mind of all the ways that you don't measure up physically and whatever. And so is the opposite of that, that every time you see anybody in your mind, you're constantly like, Oh my gosh, look at how beautiful. Like, I love that she made such a bold choice to not wear mm-hmm. pants. Like good for her. <laughs> like, you know, Oh, I love that hair is wild. Like that you try and go so far in the other direction to give people, even if it's in, only in your own mind, that thing that you wish that you had that freedom that you wish you could experience, because maybe there's something in giving it to them that you sort of soften that um, barrier that you have around yourself that kind of holds you imprisoned in that way. Oh, I think that's completely true. And I think it gets, it's true for the ways in which you critique yourself. And then for, for people who are most like you, right. Cause they, they bother you a lot. Right. I guess like, like, you're like, what is up with that person? And then your partner's like, they're like you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's me. No. Got it. Yeah. But I think that's true. I think if you can find something like what's okay, this, I, I find myself critiquing someone. So immediately I'm like, okay, go back. And this is all internal, right? I'm like, go back, find something, find something beautiful about that person, say it, believe it, own it. And if you create that pattern, then you can start to do it with the self. Like, oh, I'm not very, okay. You know what? No, go back, find something, um, which has been, <laughs> we were just talking about this the other day, the gift of, of being a lesbian <laughs> is I think that loving another woman like oh, has fundamentally yeah. like allowed me to love my own womanhood wow in a different way um and it's such a gift right so i think you're i think you're exactly right like if you can find ways to break that down when it comes to other people that will start to translate into your own your own experience that's so good but one of the things that i think is so unique about when you speak, when you write and your message on this topic is that most people are like, just jump, just go, just do the thing, you know, whatever. It's going to be great. And you're, you are like, 
yes, go jump and live and be brave and be bold. And it's probably going to suck. Yeah. And that's a whole idea. The book's called Worth It. Like, mm-hmm. no, it's probably going to be awful. It's probably going to be as bad as you think it is. Could even be mm-hmm. worse. <laughs> But it will be worth it. So will you explain that concept? Because I don't feel like a lot of people who are trying to motivate others Mm -hmm. come at it from that angle. Yeah. I mean, and and this is something you talk about, right? Like life is hard. Um, And so when when we unpack that, it is so hard to live a life that is simply trying to appease the opinions and expectations of the people around you. Mm -hmm. It is hard to be in the closet it is hard to come out of the closet. Like it will be hard. You just get to look at your life and decide which hard is going to be worth it. One of them is going to leave you feeling more free and whole. And one of them is going to leave you feeling trapped, but they're both extremely hard. Like there's not a way that's like, oh, you can, this is the exact way to have this conversation and no one will ever resent you. This is the way to have this and no one will ever look down on you. No one will ever question your goodness. No one will ever. No, that's not real. Yeah. It's hard, but one heart is just, it's going to be more worth it. Right. And even to, to your point earlier of how do we be in relationships with people who are different from us or I've been, I do like <clears throat> diversity and, and inclusion trainings and, and people always say, when I say, what are you nervous about? They say, I don't want to say the wrong thing. And I was like, cool. So you will. Yeah. And let's just start there. Right. Like, let's, just, let's just be open to that reality. Yeah. Like it's gonna, like, if you want the good stuff in life, if you want the best conversations, if you want the best experiences, if you want to feel free, you have to, you have to know it's going to be shitty. That You have to know it's going to be hard to get there. So real. I was doing a, I did a, you know, the next book comes out in September and I had to do a, um, like a webinar for the sales team. Cause I had already done one for what the book was supposed to be. I've rewritten this book, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I had to do this whole new thing in the world that we're living in. Right. And, and also walking through, like trying to talk about this book that I wrote about grief while I'm in the midst of getting a divorce and try and mm-hmm. answer questions intelligently. And there was a Q and a at the end. And there were a lot of questions about um, the, climate that we're in and what is my stance on black lives matter and what, and that is the very first thing that I said is I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to say this wrong. And I think that the worst thing that I could do with my platform and my position is not speak about it because I'm worried about saying the wrong thing. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to move forward earnestly and with a good, with the best of intentions and also completely open to the feedback from my community about when I do get it wrong and how I can make mm-hmm. that better and how I can try to keep showing up in this way. Because I think um, that is because a, a lot of the questions were from white people who are asking how mm-hmm. I as a white person and I keep coming back to one, this belief that if you really want to learn about this conversation, if you want to talk about diversity and inclusion and what this world needs to look like, you need to get that lesson from the incredible black teachers, black speakers, black authors. Uh, If you, if your company needs it really truly is not what this podcast is about, but beans sort of brushed over very quickly that she does this. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) what she does is there's no one else who can do it the way beans does it. It's incredible. I want to keep elevating those voices, but at the same time, I have to keep showing up and keep having conversations and be willing to get it wrong. 
And that's a really hard thing in the climate that we live in, in social media, because mm-hmm. everybody is so at level 22 out of 10, mm-hmm. right? There's nothing it feels like that you can put out in the world that people aren't ready to debate. Even Mm -hmm. for you, for my friends, Mm -hmm. for all of our friends who are black, like even they are getting Mm -hmm. pushback of not saying things Mm -hmm. in the right way. And there's almost this like, whether it's this conversation, whether it's LGBTQ, whether for whatever it is that you as listeners believe in, that it's almost like a, like the forces of evil want to scare us away from being in conversation so much that they're going to punch you in the face every single time that you even try. Does that make sense? Like that we've gotten to this place where now people are afraid. Like you and I were like, we're not even going on social because it's Mm -hmm. such a crap pile. How does that, like, what does that feel like to you? Do you feel like with a platform that you have that you, do you owe it to yourself? Do you owe it to your community to keep showing up and keep having the conversation Or is it sort of this delicate balance of, I'm going to keep having a conversation when I want to. And also there are times Mm -hmm. where for my own spirit, I can't show up in this way and keep debating this. Yeah. I mean, social media is so beautiful, so wonderful, so gorgeous, has created so many things. Um, and also it's, it's comes with a, a very real shadow side and, and a big part of it is it has created a culture of critique so strong, specifically around issues like things like race or LGBTQIA issues, anything, that that culture is so strong that it has allowed, I think it has allowed people to confuse their critique of someone else with the actual work. So, and, and that that's, that's such short selling from this actual, like you and I have had, endless conversations like oh, endless you i have asked and, and, so many and we will right dumb questions you are so graceful with me yes right. we've had a lot of talks about this and we are actual friends yeah so we'll go in and out of a conversation about race how to run ads um having kids what yep. kind of dog food do you have yep. like you know in that because we have this we have this relationship right we're friends and so that it's so disarming of, of the conversation and and you would approach like you wouldn't, I would never approach an actual person. I, I know the way um, I am approached sometimes on social media right. or I see people approach on social media. And, and I, I, my sense is in, in my, my, my desire to understand like humanity and what we're doing. My sense is that there are a lot of people who feel like they don't know what to do. They feel helpless. Like, they see what's happening, they're, they're learning more, and they don't have a place to put their feet to the ground. And so they have all this like energy of like, I hate that this is happening. I don't know what to do. I feel helpless. I'm going to go off on social media. Right. Right. Like, and so I think we, and it's not all critique is bad. Like, let me say that again. We, we need people to say, Hey, that could have been said better. Hey, that's wrong. Hey, here's why I don't want to support this thing. Here's why I'm going to go to Lowe's instead of Home Depot. Like, oh, this is is good work, but it has gotten to a point, I think you're right, where it's been absent of realizing that human beings are capable of evolution. And are we pushing people towards that evolution or are we just trying to like, you know, my 
I had a teacher once tell me in high school, which traumatized me for the rest of my life because I still remember it and I'm 34. She was like, you know, the nail that sticks out gets hammered down. <laughs> I know. I know. It was so traumatizing. But that's that's how it feels a little bit, right? Like I like someone who is who is honestly asking a question. Um, I'll never deny them the conversation right. Right, for an answer. I, I hope even in my myself, I tell this the story in the book about um when I was in high school and someone, my friend who was gay and was out as like a 14 year old. And he asked me to stop saying that's so gay because yeah. I said that all the time, like your shoes are gay. That, and, and it was very offensive to him. And I said, I don't mean it like that. Stop being so gay about it. Is what I said. Like I, that's, I, I said that. Like yeah. I did that. Yeah. And yet here I am allowed to have this platform and, and to speak on these things. And so if that's true about me, which I feel like, again, people need to get very clear on what's true about them. And if that's true about me, then like everyone's, everyone's invited to, to the process of evolution. Isn't and, that, isn't that, let's talk about this idea of evolution for a minute, because that's also something that I think that we have lost is because everything's recorded now, right? That <laughs> things that, like, I always think that if you read a book, even if you read Go Wash Your Face, which I wrote three or four years ago now, 75% of that book is so fundamentally, that is my truth. That is who I am, but I've evolved and I've grown as a woman. And so even the things that I wrote in that book have changed as I'm writing this new thing. And Mm -hmm. there's a very weird thing that happens where it's like, oh no, but you, you said this thing. Yeah. I said what the best that I knew at the time that I knew it, but the idea that we should hold people into who they showed up as, or even, I mean, if you think about this idea of coming out and how, how strongly people freaked out about that with you, even that was sort of denying your evolution of saying, no, no, but you told us that, you know, <laughs> you, you liked boy, right? <laughs> yes. And then, yeah. the, then there's anger of like, this is who you presented yourself to be almost like that. There's some like, magic in not magic that there's something to be admired in you're the same person that you always were and that people use the the term like you've changed they say that as a negative or they use that to shame someone like oh you've Mm -hmm. changed like yeah thank god thank god i've changed like and and it's so like evolution like you know I read this book on evolution that I'm mailing to you because yes, right. I want you to read it so bad. Um, but it's wow, that's such an integral part of we we crawl, then we walk, then we do it. And all along, people are cheering, yes, now do this, now get a driver's license, now go to college. And then we enter some point of adulthood where instead of people cheering us on, they're all screaming, now, you, now you're here, never change. Right. Like never change again. And then you have this fear as like creators or as artists or anything what if I create something and it, and I think differently about it in a few years, right? Yes. Like I think which keeps so many people stuck, but like, man, some of the best stuff has come from people's like evolutions that we have gotten to watch. Like we're both fans of untamed. Yep. Like that's a very different book from like love warrior. Love warrior. Yes. Like it's, it's right. And we're, we're all like 
honored to, to get to read that and to, and to see that evolution, right? And we deny ourselves so much of that when we say, like, as a, as a, as a pastor, like when I was at pastor at megachurch, I mean, weekly, I would say things that now, I mean, does my skin crawl? Right. Right. All of us, all of us. Yeah. And, and there's for sure, like writing this book, I knew there's some stuff in here and I'm going to giggle in five years. Yeah. Like just straight up giggle. And I, I hope that's true because if every single thing I think in 2020 is true in 2025, I'm not doing it right. Exactly right. God, it's so real. I tend to think of that of like, however someone sort of consumes you for the first time is their perception of you. And that when you change that, it's very upsetting to someone who was like, wait, I thought you were only this thing. It's like Mm -hmm. um, people who their perception of me when they first started following me was like, I'm a mom, which I am. It's a Mm -hmm. massive, incredibly core. Yeah. I have so many kids. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's, a massive part of who I am, but it's not all of who I am. And so when I talk about, you know, being an entrepreneur or doing things that are different than that piece, people get, you know, flustered at the very least or really upset at the most. Cause it's like, well, you said you were a mom, but now you're talking about ambition and moms can't be ambitious. And so it's like, you're stepping outside of what it is that, um, they've come to know you as. And I think that, you know, as much as you're talking about in the book, this journey of coming out and what it means to live your freedom, there's also, I think, an incredible freedom that I continue to learn and reach for and live into that we can be multifaceted, that we can be many things, that you can be the best mom ever and also you know, the greatest entrepreneur CEO the world has ever known. You can hold both those things. And also you can be super into gardening and also Mm -hmm. you can be a runner. Mm -hmm. And also that, you know, for the longest time, it was like, this is, we're going to define who we are right here. And you can have a few kind of ancillary characteristics that fit into society's perception of what that is. But what I think I have discovered more and more that freedom is to me is that I get to be all of those things. And it, I don't care if you understand them. Like yeah. you meaning the world outside of myself, I don't care if you like every single piece of me so long as I get to live authentically. Yeah, and I would, I would say not only that you can be lots of different things, you already are. Right. And so it's like you are and we... We try to push them down or shift them or make them, you know, a- appealing to people, but we already are, right? That's the, the term intersectionality. Like that's where, like I am a woman and I'm a person of color and I'm gay and I bake bread and now I'm a bread. runner and I have a dog and I'm married and, and I, you know, all these things like you, you are, and and I think one of the reasons with, and I don't even mean to just shit on social media because I actually really like it and I think it has incredible power. But I think w- when we have tried to figure out like, what's my bio? What's my, what, what does my feed look like? What is my, it, it tries to put us into this like, okay, my social media presence, I'm mostly this. Right. Right. 
Um, and because I need, it needs to be clear, like the messaging needs to be like sound or whatever, all these things. And I think we've carried that a little bit into our regular life to be like, well, am I a person who does this? And, you know, like Sammy and I have gotten to get, we've had to get very strict lately with like days that we take it off the apps off of our phone. Mm -hmm. And because you don't even realize how many other voices besides your own and the people who are actually walking through life with you how many other voices are, are in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you have to, you, you have to realize I'm so, I'm so many things and maybe they can't all fit on Instagram and that's okay. Yeah. Cause that's not my reality. Well, and I think I am so much more productive. I'm so much more creative. I'm so much more calm at peace centered, all of that. When I'm not spending my time consuming other people's creation, I think that social is, like you said, there's so many beautiful things that it can exist for. And if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, author, influencer, whatever it is that you're trying to do in your business, social is undoubtedly the greatest way on the planet to do those things because it's free and you can figure it out and you can create a community. Like that's incredibly powerful. But the I don't know a lot of people who have figured out how to navigate creating in that way without consuming any of it we have been friends for a very long time we have been <laughs> collaborators for a very long time yes, you like this nice. you like what i'm yes. doing here um <laughs> if you guys aren't familiar uh beans and her wife sammy are like my two main collaborators on basically everything i do or create <laughs> rise was a brainchild of the three of us rise conferences and kind of everything that's evolved from there and we continue to collaborate you know if you've been a part of our company or its work forever you know beans you've always seen beans um but we have a couple of collaborations coming up that we're really excited about that i feel like we should tell people about yeah so the yeah. first is the rise app which comes out in august you know, hopefully y'all have heard us talk a bit about the Rise app. If you're not familiar, go follow at letsrise.co. All the information is there. Um, but it was our intention to bring the experience of going to one of our Rise conferences like into your phone. So it's all about, um, you know, focus and um, health and your mindset and positivity and joy and like great habits and all of these things. So Beans, will you tell them what you've created as one of, you're one of our coaches for the Rise app. Will you tell us Mm -hmm. sort of, I don't know if we call them, I think we call them instructors maybe. I don't know what we call you, but. I can be anything. Great. So um, on the Rise app, if you want, if you're like, wow, what a voice. (laughs) I want that voice. I want that voice to walk me through some meditations, some visualizations, some jokes. Yeah. You want to start your morning off? That is what I am contributing. I'm contributing to the part of health that says if you don't smile, you're going to have a bad day. So right. um, you can listen to me talk and get you ready. Like just center yourself and get you ready to like move your body. I love it. I'm excited because I heard about one of the meditations you did and I literally <laughs> cannot wait. Um, I think what's so fun about the rise. Uh, the Rise app is that I feel like we're doing it. I mean, our our tagline is let's be different. We're doing, mm-hmm. we're looking at health, we're looking at mindset, we're looking at all these things in a totally different way, including even the way that you're bringing in meditation with like humor and it, it's really, really cool. So I'm excited yeah. for you guys to experience 
beans it's be amazing. next month and all of us, Chris and Brad and Dave and Trent and like a bunch of new people that you haven't met yet, but that you're going to love. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And let's talk about the big, big thing, which is very Whoa. exciting because we're listening to a podcast. Yes. They're listening to a podcast right now. What's uh what's coming? What's coming? What's happening? So um if you like podcasts, which I assume you do, because this is one, um, we are, as in Sammy and I, are coming out of the podcast on the Hollis Podcast Network, and it is called Everyday Lesbians. <laughs> um, which is the best which name. Is a show we started in quarantine. Yep. It like started as an Instagram live. Yep. That we would do like every day at five. And it's just everyday lesbians talking to everyday people about everyday things. Can you listen to everyday lesbians if you're not a lesbian? Yes. It's yeah. for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> every it's for if you're an everyday person, yep. you can listen to every lesbian. We're we're it's basically Sam and I we're gonna talk about like music, movies. She's gonna explain tiktoks to me great um because i don't get a lot of them and we'll be for the first season we'll be talking about the book and and sort of like part of our story and just honestly just ridiculous tequila right and there's also a um the greatest um what's it called the song the oh theme song keisha wrote and performed uh for (laughs) y'all i'm jealous because it's really good Um, so good. Are you going to ask me to be a guest on the show? You're for sure going to okay, be great. on the show. I mean, I haven't yeah. got my invitation. I haven't gotten my like Google calendar invite, but whatever. Oh, no, it's coming. It's okay, coming. great. There's Perfect. different, there's different segments. Yes. Right. And so um you you are perfect for one of them. Okay, great. I won't say what it is. Great. Um, <laughs> is it people who love everything, like people who love lesbians? Yeah. Okay, great. Lesbian fans. And lesbians. then there's the lesbians. <laughs> Celebrities, well, yes. We we get celebrity lesbians. Yeah, that is um, one of the greatest things we've ever concepted. Yeah. I think so far we don't have any. So if you're listening to this, and hey, you are Lena Waite, lesbian, you hear this? Yes. Oh Lena? my gosh, I would literally, I would you would pass die. out, and then I would wake up and do yeah, it. we can make that happen. It feels like yeah. we'll just work our way yeah. up. So hey guys, if you're listening to this, Beans. Well, okay, we call her Beans, but her actual mm-hmm. given name is Britt Barron. Her book comes out today. Whoa. Uh, worth it. You can get it anywhere books are sold. And if you've been to Rise Conference before, if you've listened to Beans on the podcast before, if you follow her, I'm just going to straight up ask you to go buy this book because you are supporting this woman that we all know and love. Um, and the best way that you can support her right now or say thank you for all of the ways that she showed up for us as a community is to spend. I don't see the price of this book. Do you know the price of your book on Amazon? I think it's like $18.99. Yeah, spend 18 bucks. If you got 18 bucks, spend it. If you don't, grab it from your local library and read it there um, without any cost, but review it yeah. either way. I'm really proud of you, Beans. Thank I'm you. really, really proud of you. Um, this is something you talked about for a really long time. And it feels um, so cool that we're here and then it's coming out. And I know it's felt weird for you to be releasing this book in this time period. I don't know. I like, I think about this so often with so many women that I know, but I think about that story of Queen Esther and, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe you have been brought to this place for such a time as these, and um, it's going to help a lot of people. It's going to help a lot of people to find the courage to live their truth. Even if living their truth comes at a cost, 
it's worth it in order to be free. So, so proud of you. And I can't wait for people to read it and love on you. Let's use social media to just love on beans. (laughs) Tell her how great her work is. You're excited to listen to Beans and Sammy and their new podcast, Everyday Lesbians. And of course you are. Um, Go head over to our show notes and you can subscribe today. You'll see a little link. Just go over there, hit the subscribe button, and then you have two new best friends that you will love as much as I do. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm glad I got to hang out with you. You're the best. I love you. Ditto. Love you too.